All right, Fabian, welcome. How are you doing? Good. Thanks. Thanks. I'm doing well. Hope you're, you're well in Miami too. Yeah. So for everyone, we're here with uh, Dr. Fabian Stefani. He is a researcher in computational social science at the Oxford Institute, Internet Institute, that is, at University of Oxford. Now, Fabian, we've had you on before, uh, probably like 18 months ago, or probably a little longer than that. Obviously, the world has morphed, and a lot of things have changed, uh, specifically as it relates to work. Probably more important than ever is, is having you on and kind of discussing some of the trends you're seeing. I think before that, for the sake of the listeners, is just giving uh, a, a little sense of your background uh, and just hearing a, a fresh uh, update from you. Sure, sure. Thanks. So again, thanks for um, for having me on this pretty timely timely topic. Or like these are exciting times. I mean, not only for work, but also for everything that has to do with the internet. I mean, as you said, I work at the Oxford Internet Institute, which is a department at the University of Oxford. And at our institute, we study how our individual and collective behavior online shapes our social, political, and, and economic world. And um, for obvious reasons, a lot has been, um, a lot of work has been done remote via the internet in, in recent days. So these are really exciting times for, um, well, work-related research, so researchers that study the future of work, but also people who study how the internet changes our life in general. Got it. And and, and what work, um, I guess specifically, uh, have you been working on recently uh, on the subject? Well, I mean, what we study extensively in our group is uh, our online, so-called online labor markets or remote platform markets. So these are global marketplaces where people can um, buy and, and sell certain uh, certain services. And um, obviously, these these markets as well um, have, have gained traction um, even before COVID-19, but more so through the through the pandemic right now, through the shift to uh, to remote work. And we are specifically studying, you know, how this unfolds globally, but also how this unfolds in terms of um, of skills, you know, which skills uh, or which kind of occupations become more important in these uh, globally connected remote work markets. Sure. Yeah, no, we're seeing benefits, I guess, for, for the just kind of breaking into the subject matter at hand is really around the gig economy. Uh, and online kind of workforce uh, where stripping out kind of the physical uh, work environment and deconstructing jobs into their segments. So think of somebody that is a data entry individual that is doing it for a company can now take that job function and do it for uh, either more small businesses and or large organizations. I think COVID was an accelerant of that where people were sitting at home, right? And understanding that hey, my job function of someone that is a data entry analyst or a software engineer, uh, maybe I do have uh, uh, 30% downtime and let me utilize that 30% to essentially uh, fill that, that role with, with kind of gig work, uh, for example. I guess, is that kind of a good frame of what has happened over the last uh, 12, 18 months? Yeah, that's that's a good description. I mean, it's 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 part of the story. I think when we last spoke, we had just um, published or were about to publish an interesting piece on uh, on the repercussions of uh, of, of uh, COVID nineteen on uh, American gig workers of gig workers in the United States. And back then, we were wondering, you know, there are, that we imagined two kind of two um, competing effects. One we called the distancing bonus, and one we called the downscaling loss. So the distancing bonus was would be exactly something that you described and that had been facilitated by by the pandemic is that now that everybody at companies had to shift to remote work massively, so also had to to put their place, their on-site employees to uh, to work from home, to work remote, 
some of them might have started wondering, well, why can't I now then not hire somebody who works from a completely different place, let's say from the Philippines, and might be um, cheaper in terms of salary because living costs in, in the Philippines are just lower than the United States. And at the same time, on the other hand, we imagine, of course, kind of this, um, you know, downscaling loss, the economy um, took a severe hit and some companies just had to cut costs. And, and so they, some of them maybe had to cut non-essential spendings and often these were gig workers like you described it. Right. Yeah, no, that makes sense. And also the, I think stepping back and understanding that companies, there's plenty of companies out there that are hiring in, 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 in hundreds and thousands of employees that in, in a sense, the company and the individuals around them have never met them. Um, so there's a lot of uh, digital faces in the workforce today uh, that actually are, are full-time workers, let's say at Microsoft or some others that have never met their, their colleagues at work. And I think that is a, uh, some sort of uh, kind of uh, uh, trend that is probably going to persist and accelerate the adoption of, of unknown digital workers out there in the world that essentially have profiles and uh, kind of star rankings, things that you find on like Fiverr and Upwork and, and some of the other online marketplaces. I guess switching over to like thinking about before and after 2019 or the end of 2019, there was the online marketplaces and also just digital work. How, how can you, what's your best description of, of what has evolved over that time uh, in terms of the maturation of that industry? Yeah, I mean, let me. There, there are many fascinating things that happened, and uh, and and we are still, as researchers, trying to unravel whether these changes would have happened anyhow without this external shock, if you want to call it like that, like researchers, yeah. economists would call it. Um, but just to name two of them, and and one has to do with geography, the other one has to do with with occupations. Two things that we're observing, and we think that they could be related um, to this, you know, catalyst function that, that the pandemic has, you know, this acceleration of digitalization of work, of digital transportability of work. One regards geographies, and that is what we see is a huge shift, globally speaking, the big macro, you know, birds level um, perspective is, um, is the, the rise of um, destinations of freelancer gig worker destinations on online labor markets like um, India, Pakistan, and Bangladesh. So the Indian subcontinent. These places were popular places for gig workers, for, for online freelancers of all sorts, but they have become even more popular, let's say, in the last 12, 24 months. And the other one is an occupational shift. So what we see is uh, when I talked about this distancing uh, bonus and the downscaling loss is that uh, it was kind of a mixed picture. You know, uh, it, there wasn't a clear answer, but once we tried, once we um, dissected the work by occupations, we realized that one specific occupation, namely software development and tech work, data work that you just mentioned, these, this is particularly one segment of the labor market, of the, of the online labor market that has apparently profited from, uh, from, from this shock. So more freelancers joining the market, but also more projects in this segment appearing on online labor platforms. Yeah, and I, and I would also add that the, the maturity of these labor platforms, I think Fiverr recently announced a subscription model I think from if you are a seller, if you are a freelancer on some of these sites, uh, the nature of a subscription attached to your service, I think, uh, gives you a sense of comfort, right? I think uh, one of probably the hurdles for somebody to to move into kind of the freelance economy from the more static, um, uh, full time economy, 
I think is the sense of comfort and, and, and understanding the predictability of your income stream and yeah. adding a subscription model to these, I think is a, an important aspect of that, uh, of one maintaining that base of sellers, but also potentially, um, uh, uh, kind of luring in some that are again, hesitant to move into something that is a little bit more transactional in nature. Yeah. Um, I guess you also published a piece on urbanization of within kind of uh, the online marketplace. Um, tell us your recent findings on that in terms of uh, ca the capitals, uh, capital locations versus kind of uh, farther out in terms of regional. Yeah, yeah, that's a really interesting piece. I mean, I have to correct this though. It's, it's not published yet, but it's a working paper uh, okay. which is out there. So people people can, but that makes makes kind of a big difference for for researchers that might not be intuitively understandable for the others. But it's out there, so people can read it. Um, it's a it's a work that has been um, initiated by a colleague of mine, Side Business School, and we collaborated. We probably collaborated on this, and it comes back to a very kind of very original and old question of the internet. So. That now that the internet spans around the world and a lot of uh, many parts in the world um, have internet access, though I have to say there are still parts of the world that, that lack internet access. But broadly speaking, there are many places that potentially, in terms of technology, have access to the internet. They also have access to places like these, the, these online labor uh, platforms, remote work platforms that we mentioned earlier. Though the question is, when we look at the activity pattern, when we look at where this work is coming from, how it's flowing, it has a super distinct geography. What does this mean? It's not equally distributed around the world. There are certain, clearly, one is there are certain hotspots. So there are certain places where a lot of projects are and a lot of high-paid, well-paid projects are. So a lot of profitable projects go to. And the second thing is there are certain flows. So there are certain transactional flows. So there's, for example, a big stream of work being done by gig workers, as I said earlier, in, in the, on the Indian uh, subcontinent, and then flowing to the East Coast and the West Coast in the United States for, States, for example. So that's, these are one of the most distinct geographical patterns. And we've been wondering, so why is that the case? Why is it that even though potentially everybody with, an internet, with internet access could tap into this global market of, um, of talent and of companies looking for talent, but why is it still that we observe these distinct patterns and we, one of the things that we found is that it that the work is intensely concentrated, not only in specific regions of the world, but also within the regions. So both global north and global south, it's concentrated in metropolitan areas. It's concentrated in in big um, in big cities. And not only the projects, but also the wages are much higher at, at these places. And we tried to to investigate this and try to find out why this is the case. And it definitely has to do something with. Um, with with skills, so this is one of the you know this is this is definitely one of the dimension that separates that's that's a draws a border on these on these online uh, online labor markets. So the the work is where the skills is where the human capital is, and this can often be found for various reasons in in big metropolitan areas. No, that's an interesting finding. You would actually uh, somewhat conceptually think the other way uh, in terms of uh, where there was less jobs potentially that you would find more. Uh, workers. Um, and yeah, that, that's a pretty interesting finding. I think uh, another question I, I really wanted to uh, investigate was really around the overall trend of this online marketplace in terms of the, we saw the acceleration COVID. I think you guys, again, we track your online labor index. So if anyone out there that wants to uh, 
track uh, and you can kind of quickly uh, define the different components that make up the index. Uh, but the online labor index, which, uh, again, has shown a steady rise in terms of the attraction of online labor, uh, whether this is something that we have a new baseline, right? So this is the new baseline and we grow from here and or we kind of uh, retract back to some uh, uh, old baseline. I think mm -hmm. from our standpoint, listening to different companies, whether it's the Upworks and Fivers of the world, I think the CEOs there have explained that the baseline has changed. Everything has shifted upwards. And again, when you step back and think about the size of this market in general relative to how much of that is online, I think it's a very, very small amount. Um, so again, if, if you do think some of this freelance work will continue to accelerate and you think it's going to take place in the online world, then there's a new standard, a new baseline that we grow off of instead of retract uh, uh, below. Uh, and this is somewhat of a new normal within kind of freelancing. Uh, again, your take and, and opinions around that. Yeah, yeah, that's a really good question, and that's a, that's that's one of the big questions that we that we tried to uh, to tackle. So first of all, thanks for mentioning the online labor index, which has now um, a brand new hub, a brand new page where it's embedded. It's called the Online Labor Observatory. So www online labor observatory written with OU, so in the, in the British uh, spelling, .org. It's a new co collaboration done by, by the uh, Oxford Internet Institute and the International Labor Organization. So we're really proud of this. And there are some new features to explore um, around the Online Labor Index. So you can customize your data in new ways. We're also tapping into um, other language domains, so Russian and Spanish-speaking online uh, freelance markets, because they are also relevant markets besides the English-speaking market. And you can download the customized uh, data. So for people like you and, and journalists and policymakers who are interested, I can only recommend to uh, to visit the page. Maybe we could link that at, at, at some point uh, as well. That would be great. And there you can have a look at the Online Labor Index, the revised version, which we now call the Online uh, Labor Index 2020. And indeed, what you, so what you've been seeing all along since the Online Labor Index had started in, in 2016 was a steady growth. You see kind of a seasonal pattern, like a bumpy ride. You know, there are seasonalities like on the traditional labor market. So there's less going on during vacation periods, for example, and more uh, in spring. But what you see is a steady growth, like a steady, solid 10 to 11 percent annual growth in the demand and the utilization of online uh, freelance work around the world. And um, the times around COVID has been a particularly bumpy ride, you know, with with ups and downs, the distancing uh, bonus and the downscaling loss, like I described earlier. But what we do see is that this steady growth will is definitely at least that's what the time series trend shows is definitely going to continue. I um, would hesitate to read, at least from just this single data piece or piece of information, that we have reached a new benchmark. But there are several trends that put that point into the direction that um, this is going to, this growth is going to continue in the next years and might even accelerate uh, further. So, you know, the, these two big trends: the the digitalization of work, so that we can we can we can put certain tasks we can transfer certain tasks via the internet and there are more and more technologies coming um, to us that allow this i mean we're having this call now being thousands of kilometers apart and technology works perfectly and this is probably also to a certain extent due to the market pressure that has um, that has that's that emerged from from uh, from the pandemic. This is one thing, and also the fragmentation of work. So you know, with this digitalization, so that you can now that you can put tasks into 
um, you can transfer them into into digital services. You can also break them down. You know, like an assembly belt. You can outsource this. So where you had one worker before, you might be able to break down this work into specific tasks, three different tasks, and distribute them to three different um, workers. And with these platforms, to, to three different workers in three different places around the world that might have already, you know, adapted their skill set accordingly, according to this new fragmented demand, and might even individually be better in performing these uh, these specific single tasks. You know, you see this diversification of, of, of demand, but on the other hand, also the diversification of skills of workers. So workers that are really, um, in a very agile way, adapting to these new skill demands. They're, they're, they're also picking, you know, little fragmented pieces of, of skills and capabilities in very, in, in new ways. And this makes this market very agile. And this is, I think, one of the reasons why I think it, it's, it's going to grow. Yeah, I think agility is a pretty interesting uh, aspect. Uh, the other day, Fiverr uh, spoke at a, an investor conference and they highlighted that they have roughly like 350 uh, 350 uh, categories and they're adding like 30 categories a, a quarter. Um, yeah. And wow. it, that's pretty interesting, right? Cause it's all online and it's all um, it, it, the, the world evolves. And when it's, when it's digital in nature, the categories can, can continue to evolve as well. And I think one example of that was obviously during peak COVID, everyone was trying to make podcast covers and, and video edits. And then as the reopening or the initial reopenings, it shifted to Airbnb description listings. So everyone yeah. was trying to have writers for that and then resume writers and things yeah. like that. And that's the flexibility and agility of these platforms where somebody that has a core competency of let's say digital design can make a digital banner and or, cause essentially they give you a prototype anyways in a digital format. Yeah. And instead of being a banner in the real world, it's a banner in the, in the digital world. And then if you believe in the whole concept of the metaverse, right, which is these digital uh, worlds um, and digital real estate and all the other stuff that could potentially uh, take place in a kind of 3D virtual reality type of environment, uh, maybe not day to day and an hour to hour, but uh, there will be something there. Again, more digital things in this life, in this world will probably accelerate more uh, digital online labor uh, as a, as a uh, proxy for, for jobs in a sense. Um, my question around that concept is occupation from, I don't know if you noticed any shifts in terms of the type of occupations that, uh, essentially accelerated again in your, I know there's a segmentation inside of your labor index, uh, where you can track these things, but again, um, whether you noticed a pickup in a certain category versus, uh, another, um, and any kind of comments there. Yeah. So, yeah. So the online labor index breaks down occupations into broad, pretty broad, big um, categories, like, for example, a data entry and clerical work, creative and multimedia work or software development and tech. And in particular, this last category is interesting because among so what we've seen initially when, when, when this project started was something interesting and it was a lack of specialization because um, essentially, if you look at global markets where, where goods and services are traded and you think of it as an economist, one of the early you know, lessons that you learn as an economist is that it's always good to specialize. So to use the comparative advantage that you have in, for example, producing cars uh, in contrast to harvesting lemons, for example. So a country that's better in, in producing cars and manufacturing should go for manufacturing, specialize in that, and then export goods into the world. And we thought like in a market that is even less, has even less frictions than let's say the traditional economic 
trade of goods, the online, online labor market, we thought that we see an even stronger specialization in terms of um, in terms of work, in terms of occupations. But that's something we didn't see at the beginning. And that was really interesting. But now, apparently, we see a shift um, towards um, an increase um, demand and supply, actually, for software um, development and tech work. And this is also in terms of the so-called supply side, worker side, driven um, by an increase in in, uh, in in workers registering from, um, as I mentioned earlier, from the from uh, countries like India, uh, Pakistan, and Bangladesh. But one thing that I have to mention here is that we should increasingly, and that that can kind of continues our our conversation on skills, and you know this agile recombination of skills. We should increasingly question occupations. I think we should increasingly. Um, occupations help us, you know, to understand the world and we'll ask you, so what do you do? Okay, I'm a podcaster, you're an economist, you know, he's a painter. But we should, um, on particularly on markets that are so agile, like these online remote work uh, platforms, question these, these occupational domains because people really, they really started to cherry pick, you know, um, certain specific skills that might not be typical or conventional for their occupations, but they might be really helpful for them to um, have a sustainable income on these on these uh, remote markets. Yeah, no, that makes a lot of sense um, in terms of, uh, again, the, the, the different orient or uh, uh, description of, of what someone does. It's more your, your work f the title should be the description of what you do as opposed to kind of this high level um, uh, folder. Uh, so I work in finance and that really tells you nothing. Um, and again, in, in some of these uh, uh, surveys and and, um, and census would 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 essentially define us all the same. Um, I think we'll end there. I think this was a, a really good update. Again, if you wanted to hear the original one, go back, listen, uh, almost 18, 12, uh, 24 months ago, and you would uh, hear our original thoughts on on this subject matter. But for you, Fabian, uh, just give us a sense of what next you're working on. Uh, and then where we can learn about it. I know you talked about the, the website, but in general, what are you working yeah. on and, and where can we learn about it? Yeah, thanks so much. Um, this is, um, you, you might guess this already from, from what I said earlier, but it's really about skills. It's, it's really fascinating. You know, these, um, the, the future of work has, um, you know, maybe a kind of blurred um, outlook for, for all of us, whether we work on remote markets or we work in, in, in the on-site economy, if you want to make this distinction at all. But um, I think online labor markets, online freelance markets might help us to understand how this future of work is going to evolve. You know, the fragmentation of specific occupations, the cherry picking of specific skills, because on these markets, it, it pays off if you know marketable in-demand skills. And so they might give us, you know, a perspective into the future of, of work, an outlook into the future of work, how this is going to be done on-site um, as well in the future. And so we really, our research really focuses on, uh, on focus more closely on, on skills and on skill development. And we see how, how uh, online workers um, assemble their skills in a very fragmented and, and individualistic um, fashion. And, and the Skillscale project, that's a new project that we're launching now, um, is, is going to have a closer look at that. But if you want to stay tuned on all these developments, I think the, our new hub, the Online um, Labor Observatory, is really, uh, is really a good place to stay tuned. We have blog posts there and newsletters, so you can follow us there. Cool. Fabian, cool. appreciate having you on. Uh, we'll check back in, hopefully, uh, sooner than 18, 24 months. But uh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, it was a good update. I think um, we learned a lot. And, and again, we'll be in touch.
Cool. My pleasure. Thanks so much. Bye. Bye.